Hi there, I'm Peter Lewis, father, grandfather, writer, storyteller. You're listening to The Dad Story Project, a podcast dedicated to two simple themes, that we find the most fulfillment in the ordinary events of every day, and that the currency of childhood is time. Our children and grandchildren don't want more stuff, they just want us. Today's story is titled, The Shooting of Rusty, One, Two, Three. My friend Stefan is relocating his family from a distant land of asphalt and cul-de-sacs to a tiny town in our beloved Maine. He's trading endless strings of traffic lights for one-light villages and 300 days of sunshine a year for, well, January. It's an intentional, faithful step, full of hope and eagerness and the need for studded snow tires. Many rural adventures await Stefan, Jen, and their daughters, and among them may be a small flock of laying hens. I want the girls to understand that there are other beings in the world that need care and attention besides themselves, Stefan told me recently. Thus, he hopes a dozen tiny chicks will mature into a brood of brightly feathered teachable moments, whose care and protection will also help mature his fledgling daughters. It's a noble cause and calling, marred slightly by the inexact art of determining the sex of chicks. What you want are hens, of course, with their accompanying eggs, but a rooster will often sneak into the mix. It's hard to tell among all those pin feathers. And once snuck, said rooster may raise all sorts of hackles, so to speak. So, for Stefan and any others among you contemplating the classic rural scene of a front dooryard flocked with adorable hens, scratching among the perennials and gobbling up yummy invertebrates, let this be a cautionary tale. For among the all and sundry farm accoutrements of chicken-rearing, you may also need a large boar weapon. Before I begin, I must warn my listeners. This is a serious story, told coldly and without exaggeration. It may not be suitable for those with weak constitutions or who frighten easily. So, kids, you may want to ask your parents to go fold laundry or watch TV for a few minutes. A good enemy keeps you alert and brings great clarity to life. I had an enemy once. Our relationship began in innocence and ended in murder, I think. It started one spring day with a little yellow order form from the feed store and a few dollars. After poring through books and picking the brains of experts, my daughter Amanda and I finally decided there would be six each of Araconas, Rhode Island Reds, and Plymouth Rocks. We were about to become chicken ranchers. Ours was a practical and endearing plan. Practical because for the price of the eggs you get the birds which give you the eggs. And endearing because, well, farmyards with chickens scratching about in them are about as adorable as rural life can get. The stuff of postcards. So we handed in the form, plunked down our money, and waited. Our little fluff balls would arrive on May 24th. 
When ordering chickens, you hope to get all hens. Sweet, passive, stupid hens. But sexing chicks, like parallel parking, is tricky business. It's hard to see what you're doing. You're always in a bit of a rush. And close enough isn't always close enough. Sometimes you scrape the curb or end up with a rooster. Enter Rusty, a fine, proud, heavy-shouldered, 100% male Rhode Island Red, my new enemy. Rusty first took charge of the hens, which seemed fine and proper to us, herding them about with one eye cocked toward danger. Then, a few weeks later, he took charge of the cats, which struck us as quite odd. After that, with great fearlessness, he began to direct traffic, strutting up and down the yellow lines in front of our farmhouse, pecking at the wheels of passing logging trucks. Rusty, like God, was no respecter of persons. But unlike God, Rusty hated everybody. He became sinister and nasty and started chasing dogs. By fall, Rusty had grown to five rock-hard pounds of sinew, gristle, and malice, and I began carrying around a busted canoe paddle for protection. Rusty would stalk me from around the corners of our barn or the henhouse, then come roaring at me, throwing his great bulk into the air, frothing at the beak, and thrusting out his three-inch spurs. It was like getting hit with a sack of wet cement wrapped in barbed wire. With the canoe paddle, at least I had a chance. As the months went by, Rusty slowly went feral. He became rogue poultry, sick in the head, unpredictable, and much feared. He walked with a limp, for effect. When he crept into the dooryard, leering, the songbirds would fly off from the treetops. As the end drew near, there were signs. The neighbor's dog disappeared. Tires on the car went mysteriously flat. A machete went missing. One day, my wife Karen was sipping tea and watching the bucolic view out the dining room window when a group of seniors passed the house on their morning walk. Why are they all carrying sticks, she asked, with some alarm. The last straw came the day our wretched rooster chased my son Jeremiah up a tree. Jeremiah was 17 and could bench press 220 pounds. So, Rusty enemy of the free world, was sentenced to death. Holding no grudge and with no cruelty in our hearts, Rusty's behavior was simple instinct, after all. We formed our plan. It was to be a humane, quick, and dignified execution. After luring him into a small cage using a box of strike-anywhere matches as bait, I would simply slam the door shut and put a bullet in his head. If only killing a deranged rooster could be so easy. The first shot rang out, and feathers flew, boards snapped, and the smell of brimstone filled the air. Jeremiah, 
Amanda, who was nine and impressionable, and I were all tossed off into the grass. When the smoke cleared, there stood Rusty, somehow busted loose from his imprisonment, bloody, staring at us with his one remaining eye, pacing back and forth and plotting revenge. Jeremiah grabbed the twenty-two from me, aimed and fired again. Rusty went down hard, then erupted back up from the dirt and came at us, briskly, eyes ablaze with vitriol and spurs loaded. Amanda and I spun around and ran southeast, waving our arms and screaming. A few moments later, a third shot echoed out across the fields and forest. Rusty went down again and stayed down. We buried Rusty unceremoniously in the meadow, covering the deep hole with a large stone. No words were spoken over him. The next morning, at her insistence, Amanda and I went to visit his grave, our pant legs swishing through the dewy grass. But we found only the hole. There were no tracks or evidence of digging. The soil seemed slightly scorched and was piled up in a ragged ring as if thrust up hastily from the bowels of the earth. The stone was missing. Amanda looked up at me slowly, her eyes as big as hen's eggs. He got out. I feel compelled by this tale of foul carnage, which is mostly true, to leave you with some kind of teachable moment thing, a sort of animal husbandry and fathering postscript that may settle your nerves and give you a practical takeaway message. I struggled with this and only came up with two rather lame points. First, if you ever consider getting a rooster, don't. And second, if you do, a busted canoe paddle is a good investment. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dad Story Project podcast. If you would like to show your support, please give us a good rating and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about the Dad Story Project, download stories, and find out how you may be able to participate, please visit thedadstoryproject.com. And please like us on Facebook and tell your family and friends. Until next time, bye for now.